This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 637, comic reviews for the week of Wednesday, December the 19th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm Adam Chapman, your host. This is episode 637. It's our Comic Reviews episode for the week of, or releases from the week of Wednesday, December the 19th. I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas. I'm recording this on the 28th of December. Um, I have to say, my Christmas was as sick as possible. I had a horrible flu from basically the Saturday before Christmas, basically until about a day or so ago, and I'm still having some lingering effects. So, a super fun Christmas in the Chapman household this year. Um, but uh, that's why this episode is going up a little later than I would have expected. Originally, I was like, oh, you know, I'll get this episode up by Christmas Eve. It'll be great. And then I was sick, and I was like, the last thing I wanted to do was put a, put together a podcast. I know, I know. You're like, come on, Adam. You live for podcasts. Uh, not when I'm that deathly ill, or at least feeling that ill. I wasn't actually deathly ill obviously. Um, so let's dive in. Well, first, let's look at some of the books I won't be talking about. So December 19th, some of the selective releases include Aquaman 43, which is a new direction. Uh, this is by uh, Kelly Sudokonik. Uh, we've got Batman Kings of Fear, Five of Six, Black Panther vs. Deadpool, uh, Captain America, Catwoman, Damage, Darth Vader, Dead Man Logan, Defenders, The Best Defense, Domino, Exiles, Freedom Fighters, Number One, Iceman, Justice League, Killmonger, Marvel Knights 20th, Number Four, Runaways, Seasons Beatings, Shuri, Spider-Geddon, Teen Titans, The Life of Captain Marvel, Punisher, Thor, Weapon H, and West Coast Avengers, Number Six. So uh, let's jump right in, and this is going to be kind of a faster-paced episode, because I actually have a lot to talk about, because I read, I think, nine books or something. Uh, so first off, we have Amazing Spider-Man, number, nine, sorry, number 12, I should say. I was going to say 19, that is not correct. Lifetime Achievement Part 2 by Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley. Um, this was and this was an interesting issue. You got arcade involved. You have a you know kind of a this is your life for uh, J. Jonah Jameson, and uh, you know it's got some 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 violence in there, some shenanigans, uh, some great artwork by Otley. I like the storyline. I'm curious what the ending means because you know is it actually Foswell or someone else? Um, I do feel like it was a little telegraphed uh, because of the the fact that someone actually highlights Foswell, and he's one of those characters who's more or less forgotten most of the time. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought this was this was enjoyable. It was a good breezy read, uh, good art, and I liked the idea of the story. We really kept very invested with these characters. We don't really go anywhere else uh, besides what's going on in this room, but it, it meant a very uh, clear focus for the issue as well. I'm going to give it an 8. It was good. Uh, next up is Batman number 61. Uh, this is starting, I guess, the new arc. Um, so this is by Tom King. Artwork by, let's see, who does the art in this issue? I believe it's Moore. Uh, at least going by the front cover. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we've got Travis Moore on art. Um, this was kind of a weird one, uh, but it was interesting. Um, so... I don't even think I realized what I was watching. What I was watching at first, I was a little confused, and then I started to understand. So you have a Batman story, and it looks looks like a Bruce Wayne story, but it's not really Bruce Wayne. It's that weird, creepy kid that we saw before in this run. Um, so far, so good. Like it, it was definitely kept my kept my interest. I thought the art was fairly good. Um, Something didn't quite miss the mark. I, I think once I realized it was the kid, and then I just got confused. Because at first I was like, okay, wait, what? And then rereading it, it's definitely one of those issues where once you reread it, it starts to make a little bit more sense. Um, so I'll give it a seven. Uh, I think the art was good, but it was but not great. Um, it sold some of the character work, but some of the line work I wasn't really sure on. Um, again, the confusion, this is not necessarily the artist, but when, you realize, when the reveal kind of happens... Maybe I'm being too stingy on the art. 
Uh, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. I'm going to upgrade it by 0.5 because I felt bad. Next up is Champions Annual Number One. Uh, this is a, a very clear focus on uh, Amka Aliak or Snowguard. I probably massacred the name. It's by Jim Zub and Nyla Inuksuk and Marcus Toe on art. And I thought this was really cool. Um, this is a really good character-based study on Snowguard and her her kind of story. And she has a you know she's has her own hero's journey to go through. Um, which I thought was really interesting, and it felt it was a very personal story to that character. I like that it really zoomed the focus in on her as opposed to being about the greater kind of champions team. Um, I really like getting a better sense of who this character is and how she's going to operate going forward. I thought this was a really good character study. I thought the artwork was great by Toe. Um, yeah, I'm going to give that a very solid, a very enjoyable character-based read. Uh, next up is Extermination number 5. Um, Ed Brisson and Pepe Larraz. I feel like Extermination could have been longer. Like, there's just so much wedged in. So you have, like, the X-Men fighting, you know, the Hounds and the uh, other X-Men who've been turned into Hounds. You have Kid Cable trying to figure out what to do with the original five. There's just a, a lot going on. It at times almost feels too stuffed. I'm not saying I didn't like it, because I did. I just felt at times there was almost too much going on. And then you have Cable bringing the kids to his future and Ahab tracking them, and then eventually going back in time. Um, it's interesting, a way of Jean trying to figure out how she can stop Ahab and stop the process that has taken over their friends. They go home, and they kind of change their clothes, which I thought was kind of weird that their future costumes are just sitting somewhere at the Xavier Institute. And they get into all their old clothes, uh, and then they, they wipe all the, the memories of everyone, and uh, they're right back to where they used to be. But, you know, Gene has is, is basically put the memories inside their minds that at, at during the battle uh, against the Ahab and everyone, they will unlock the memories of their original selves, uh, the 05, before they went back. It's an interesting concept. I just wish there was a little bit more time for the issue to breathe, more maybe, a, maybe even a, a higher page count, because there's just so much to do here, so much work. Um, and but it's definitely interesting to kind of have the original five. In, in, their experiences still matter because they still inform these characters. So I mean, in theory, what Jean figured out how to do as a younger person, she can still do as an older person, like having access to that and being that way. Uh, Hank, in theory, being able to do magic probably still exists like that's an interesting idea uh and at the very end we have the surprise that uh it looks like cyclops is, is alive and working with kid cable so uh a lot going on very packed issue i still very much enjoyed it uh, i thought it was very solid i'm going to give it a my favorite review an eight uh, next up we have infinity wars number six uh which i found kind of garbled and crazy jerry duggan and mike diodato jr um I don't know. I just this felt weird, like kind of anticlimactic. Like you have Loki has all the stones, and kind of he knows the future now, what how things are going to go. So he kind of makes a decision that he like, you know, removes all the other Infinity Stones, and now there's just the one set. And then you have the you know the big battle in Soul World is is concluded. You have the the warps end up surviving. You have a lot of talking um, with uh, with Warlock and what happens, you know. Actually, you know, I may even be mixing up stuff because there's just there's like a lot that happens, but also not a lot that happens. Yeah, Warlock ends up dispersing the stones, giving them a soul of their own, and then he realizes that he has kind of been dumped by his own. Um, there is some really cool stuff here, like with what happens with Arthur Douglas. I thought was really cool. Um, what happens with 
Magus and Gamora was definitely intriguing. Um, yeah, just kind of an interesting, an interesting thing. And then the the ending with uh, Warlock saying that you know a piece of him was missing was kind of a sad feeling as well. You know, this character has gone through so much and he's still missing something. I'm gonna give it a five. I just felt jumbled. It didn't feel like I had a very clear sense of where it was going. And, uh, yeah, and at the end, I think it just kind of, it only ended because Loki saw that he lost and kind of just said, well, that's that then, and then kind of just took everything away. Um, and then even with, you know, what Warlock does, it sets up potential for new stories in the future, the idea that all the gems have have uh, souls of their own and maybe would try to bond with people kind of like a symbiote, but that doesn't necessarily do a lot for the story now. Uh, then we have Infinity Wars Fallen Guardian number one. Which this I thought was a definitely much more interesting because it's all about Arthur Parks becoming Drax and the idea that you know now they're kind of separate and maybe can you know their 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 fight is over and what happens now and uh, that I thought was this I thought was actually a really cool uh, story it had a really interesting you know perspective and uh, this I really liked I thought it was really nice to see. You know how the story kind of ends for these two characters, at least for now. I thought it was interesting. I, at that I give an eight because this was a very character-centric piece, and uh, it was surprisingly emotional. And uh, I felt very much invested. This is Jerry Duggan and Andy McDonald. I do. I love McDonald's art. I thought it was really appropriate here. I thought Duggan really nailed the, you know, the characters here, and it just kind of made me sadder that we didn't get that before. In uh, the Infinity War series, was not as solid as this one one-shot, which kind of bookends it all. Uh, next up from DC, we have Nightwing 55. Uh, I feel like we've been getting a lot of different art styles on this book right lately. Um, like the first few pages, especially, are so scratchy and over just like too much scratchiness and not enough kind of clear line work. Um, this is Night Terrors and uh, by Scott Lobdell doing the plot, Fabian Nicieza on the script, and then the artwork is by. There's the artwork here. Chris uh, Munium and Jerry Brown. Um, I like the idea of the story here. I like how you have Scarecrow and uh, you have you know the, the new Nightwings kind of stepping up. You have Rico or Rick, sorry, uh, trying to kind of figure out his place in this. Um, it's, it's definitely interesting. I just found the art to be incredibly inconsistent, uh, very garbled, and not good enough. Uh, I would give this like a five and a half out of 10. Uh, next up is old man Hawkeye. Number 12. This was, this is, this is great. Although I think that in a lot of ways, the last issue was more of the, the, the real climax in terms of, uh, Clint's, you know, journey against Zemo. Um, not to say that this issue isn't very enjoyable as well. It's just different. It's written by Ethan Sachs. I work by Francesco Mobley. Um, this is really about, you know, Hawkeye and Bullseye. I mean, even though it takes a while to get the Bullseye, but really, I mean, like, it's about everyone trying to escape the compound, taking out Avalanche, and then you have Bullseye and uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye is now blind. Um, you know, the, it's very interesting to see Bullseye die. It's interesting to see what is told to Red Skull. It's interesting to see how this book ends off with Hawkeye um, and Kate, and they're just not not on the same page at all anymore and their their partnership is really at an end and that's they're never going to see each other again because we already know what eventually happens to uh to clint i thought this was incredibly satisfying um the art the story the entire 12 issue run 
incredibly enjoyable. It's interesting that I guess it's probably longer than the original Old Man Logan actually was in terms of uh, length, but uh, it doesn't diminish the fact that it was a really epic story and really interesting to see Hawkeye eventually taking out all the Thunderbolts. And uh, again, I've said that it's interesting to see this version of Hawkeye who feels like a balance between um, everything that Matt Fraction did and going forward, the way that Hawkeye has been written and everything before that when he was extremely capable. I mean, I, I really came to love Hawkeye in the you know early days of Hero's Return um, when he was you know kind of bristling a. a cap and he wanted to bring you know the, the new guys um what was it justice and uh, firestar under the avengers and then he ended up going to lead the thunderbolts like that was my hawkeye that's the hawkeye i love the most he, an extremely capable leader who's really learned from the past he was you know not the funny leader you know who got himself in over his head sometimes with the west coast avengers this was a guy who really knew what he was doing and uh i don't i think that busick and and fabian, fabian nesiaza really understood him the most and then everyone who's written him afterwards uh, up until the fact when he was reinvented by Fraction, uh, just didn't quite get it the same. Uh, but this book felt like it really was on the razor's edge and was able to bring out that part of the character that I loved. Uh, next up is Uncanny X-Men number six. This is by Matthew Rosenberg, Kelly Thompson, Ed Brisson, and uh, they're the writers, and the art is by Yildirai Sinar. Um, this is what, Disassembled Part 6. Still a lot going on. Um, so you have Angel, Archangel fighting against Magneto. I still don't like the Magneto redesign uh, as uh, was the Horseman of the Enlightenment or whatever it is. Um, and there's something about the way that people have been drawing Jean Grey's costume where it looks extra thick and lumpy on her. Like it just doesn't even look that movable. Um, and then you have everyone kind of going towards X-Men and finding X-Men's temple. Um, X-Men trying to talk to the X-Men and explain what he's doing. They're trying to fight him. And, uh, and then you have, you know, the, the, the kid X-Men, the pixie armor, uh, they're with Glob, Rockslide, and they're also with Legion, and they're tr- kind of taking the fight to, uh, to X-Men so they can actually talk to him, and Legion's not having any of it, and then he banishes them, uh, all four kids, uh, into now kind of messed up forms, as well as Nate Grey to the Age of Apocalypse, which is definitely, uh, which is not totally clear by the last page, but is more clear when you actually read the next issue, which I have already done at this point in time. Um, I, I, I'm just trying to think, how do I feel about this issue? Uh, it's capable. It's not my favorite issue of the run. I would give it maybe a six and a half. If there's something about this. It's not, it's, it's good. It's just, I think part of the problem, and this is not the fault of the actual book or the creators, this is more a fault of marketing and happenstance and timing, is that it's coming out in the same year that we got an amazing Avengers Weekly story in No Surrender, which was extremely well plotted, well put together, and just felt like every issue mattered, even when you had the downbeats, because you had really good character moments. This feels like there's a lot going on, but... At the same time, maybe not enough, as crazy as that is to say. Like, you have a large cast, but you don't maybe have enough for everyone to do. So you end up with these kind of larger fight sequences where people are just kind of thrown aside. And you have potentially hugely modifying character moments that are really just kind of roughshod. Like, the fact that you have this X-Man with his own horseman is really not given enough space to breathe in terms of what that really means. And that feels like... You know, they're jamming too much in, but at the same time, not developing any of those ideas fully. So I'm going to give this a six and a half out of ten. Uh, so that's everything I read from the 19th. Uh, looking forward to the 26th, there's only, what, like 
a handful of releases, including but Superior Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Cloak and Dagger, Negative Exposure, X-Force, and Uncanny X-Men. So uh, there's a very... DC, I don't think, released any books uh, on the 26th, though. I'll probably be talking about, you know, of the five, maybe probably three of them or four of them, if I'm lucky and have enough time to get caught up. I've been behind, and being sick hasn't helped my reading at all, but uh, hopefully I'll be able to uh, talk about those next time. Anyways, thank you for joining me for this episode of Comic Shenanigans. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Like the show on Facebook, read and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, there should be one more, at least one, maybe two more episodes uh, before 2018 is over. Uh, but I hope everyone had a good holiday season and has a happy new year. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.